In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen to our Lord, be all glory now unto the end of ages, amen. I uh, thank God for this uh, tremendous blessing that I don't be here um, in, the, in this blessed church, which has a very special place in my heart since the time where my beloved uh, father, that we all learned from, um, very Reverend Abun Abshoi Dimitri, and also I learned from all the beloved fathers who serve, currently serve the church, thank them for their invitation I don't deserve, and thank you for all your um, uh, the presence here, and uh, it's, it's uh, humbling to be here. Uh, but um, um, let's get a, take a few moments to contemplate upon um, important message that um, that is important to all of us, especially at this day and age, in this um, in this place and in this um, juncture in in, um, in our lives. Sabuna um, Mark asked me to um, start by talking about the Epistle of Saint Paul to the Galatians. To the Galatians. Um, I will just give a very, very brief introduction to the epistle, then I'll, I'll just zoom in on one, one key concept that St. Paul is, is um, trying to impress upon us. Um, first of all, the, 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 the epistle to the Galatians is a very, very, one of uh, very important books in the New Testament because according to many biblical scholars, it is one of the first books in the New Testament to be written chronologically, in terms of chronology. Uh, the book of uh, Epistle of St. James and the, and the Epistle to St. Paul to the Galatians were, are very early, were written very early on. Um, the biblical scholars date this epistle to about 49 AD. 49 AD, maybe as could be as late as 57. I've seen several numbers. So it's definitely between the, in that six or seven year or eight year period, between 49 and 57 AD. Um, the, if you want to summarize the epistle of St. Paul to Galatians, it is uh, a message to refocus. You know, I know if, you've, uh, if you're into photography and uh, into cameras, I know we now snap pictures with our phones and autofocus. But we forgot the good old days. Actually, if you get a nice professional camera, DSLR or a nice professional camera, then if you want to take really good photos, you have to really play with the focus. Don't rely on autofocus. I just read an article a few days ago about how uh, Google Maps and Waze sometimes get people into a lot of trouble because people rely too much on technology and uh, they, they, they can't exercise their own personal judgment because they become, become so reliant on technology. Anyway, that's another story. But anyway, so to refocus, sometimes the picture gets blurry or things in the scene, you know, something changed, something pops in the foreground, something changes the background, I need to refocus. So St. Paul is telling the Galatians and telling us to refocus, refocus. Um, with the backdrop, the backdrop to the epistle is that, um, I mean, this we're talking about 49 or 50 AD. It's about maybe, you know, 20 years after the, 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 the crucifixion and resurrection and sense of our Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of people have, become, have been entering the faith. A lot of people are becoming Christians. Um, most of the people who were becoming Christians were of Jewish background. But however, something interesting happened as Gentiles, Gentiles who were non-Jews, began to become Christians. And all of a sudden, there was a big debate uh, about these Gentiles. Um, one faction called the Judaizers, anyway, don't have to worry about, you, about this, 
But one faction said, no, 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 wait, wait. They cannot just walk in from outside, from the heathen world, from worshiping idols, to doing all kinds of crazy stuff, and become Christians. We, they have to become fully Jewish first before they, they become Christians. St. Paul said, no, no, no. Christ did not come for the people to become Jewish first so that they become Christians. Christ came with everybody, and he said that's clearly in the, in, the, in the parable of the Good Shepherd that I have other sheep from another flock. So I want to merge the two flocks so become one flock with one shepherd. And these two flocks are the, the, the Christians coming from a Jewish background and the Christians coming from a Gentile or non-Jewish background. So all are becoming, we have one flock. Maybe the problem does not really impact us today. But the lesson that St. Paul is teaching us in this epistle is very important. I want to really um, pick on one verse, and uh, this will be kind of our sets the stage for, uh, for the rest of, uh, of the contemplation. And this is Galatians 1.10. If you have your Bible, you can go there. If you go home, you can look. Okay, it's very easy to remember, 1.10. For I do, do I persuade men or God? Question. Or do I seek to please men? Question. For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So, he's saying this is a lot of, lot of opinions here, a lot of faction, a lot of controversy here. A lot of people saying this, people saying that, but who am I? Who, what, who am I trying to please? Am I trying to please other people or pleasing God? If I please other people, guess what? I'm, not a bond, I'm no longer a bondservant of Christ. I'm going to be always trying to see what pleases people and do what pleases people. So this is the question <coughs> for us today. Are we trying to please people or are we pleasing God? This is the question for all of us. And I want to take this at multiple levels. I will take it on the level of service, on the level of spirituality, and the level of word, what we say, speech. And there are many levels, by the way. I just picked these three for the sake of time. Service. Who are we serving exactly? Are we serving God or are we serving other people? St. Mary said at the end of the Annunciation, you know, when Archangel Gabriel came to her, the last thing that she said, behold, huh? I am eh? hmm? the huh? maid servant of the Lord. The maid servant of the Lord. By the way, this is the same phraseology or language that St. Paul is using, same being a bond servant of Christ. The maid servant is like a, this is the ultimate dedicated servant. I am the maid servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. Um, of course, St. Mary served St. Elizabeth. But whenever St. Mary served other people, it was part of serving the Lord. She was not trying to make people happy, but she was trying to do what's pleasing in the eyes of, in the eyes of God. And we should also be focused on pleasing God in our service rather than pleasing other people. Um, Social service is a very, very important part of our service in church. And personally, it should be important. I love this verse, James 1.27, how as pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is to visit orphans 
and the widows in the trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So in St. James here is giving us a very important thing. Yes, please go and sense the needs of the, of the community. If somebody you know, is sick, if somebody is an orphan, is a widow, somebody is in prison, somebody is unjustly treated, you can go and serve. But you have to keep yourself unspotted from the world. It's a dual track thing. You cannot do without the other. When we serve, service and faith are two faces of the same coin. We cannot separate service from faith. St. Shenouda Darshmanet who was, by the way, a very, very prominent saint in the history of our Coptic church. St. Shenouda Darshmanet he established uh, the Cenobitic monastic lifestyle. He established, you know, a certain um, monastic system. And this monastic system relied on two things, relied on deep spirituality um, and deep faith. He was actually, St. Shinoda was so solid in his faith that Pope Cyril I, the pillar of faith, took him with him to the third council in Ephesus to respond and counter the Nestorian heresy, the heresy that, uh, that, uh, that Nestorius said, again, this is the wrong teaching, when he said that St. Mary, uh, well, Christ, you know, he separated Christ from, from, from the divinity and St. Mary gave birth to Christ, not to God, and, and then the divinity came. Of course, this is wrong. This is heresy. And that's why Pope Cyril I um, insisted that St. Mary be called Theotokos. We, we, we will hear this so many times in the Tamgid in a few minutes. Theotokos, Theotokos, Theotokos. And we call this icon, the Theotokos, always depicts St. Mary carrying Christ. Always she is the mother of God incarnate. So St. Shenouda was very strong in his faith. At the same time, St. Shenouda opened his monastery to, to feed the, the, the hungry and to serve all those who are, you know, the, all those who are needy. He would open the doors of the monastery throughout the week for them. So St. Shenouda embodied the two, the two concepts that you have to really be steadfast in the faith in God. And, and, and this ref it gets reflected in the social services. We live in a world today that's focusing on to bifurcate, serve. Bifurcate means divide. Service from faith. Service from faith. And we hear and, and we see the result of this bifurcate. It's a very subtle. What's going on is very subtle. Because now we see all these buzzwords. Again, these buzzwords. We hear about social justice. We hear about equality. We hear about diversity. We hear about tolerance. We hear about fairness. All these, all these are great, great concepts. But, but, you have to be very careful, especially I'm talking to young people here, because we're, we're fed this all the time in curriculums, it's on the media, it's, it's, so, it's very important. We see a lot of things are creeping in under the umbrella of these big buzzwords. And now we, we get so entrenched in positions supporting this, supporting this, which is could be on the, on, on the outset of very, very noble, noble causes, but at the same time, we have begun by to see a lot of ideas that are contrary to our faith creeping in. And now we have to accept the package. You can't, if you support this, you have to support that. If you're pro this, you have to be pro that. And people find it much easier now to accept, you know, I, I'm Christian, I believe in everything, but uh, I support this, or I support, I, I don't want to get into specific positions here because that will detract from my, 
from the focus of what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not debating this hot button issues. I'm talking about the mentality. The mentality. Are we, who are we pleasing? Who are we trying to be popular with? Um, so this is not a political talk at all, but this is a very theological and spiritual issue here that we have to be pay attention to. If you have specific questions about specific issues, please go to your abuna and discuss them with them. Please don't let, don't just follow the, the storyline and follow what the media is feeding us, or what is the curriculums are saying in schools. Please be very diligent. Be, please be very diligent. As Orthodox Christians, our service has to be clearly, uh, has to be clearly based on and shaped by our faith. We cannot reshape our faith to fit a service or a purpose or a cause. We have to shape our service to fit our faith. Don't reshape your faith to fit a cause. It's a very, very, um, very uh, a clear distinction. We are called to, be, to follow Christ and be Christ-like, not to remake Christ into an image that suits a postmodern world. Because now we see, oh, oh Christ was a, I mean, you see this all the time. He was a revolutionary. He was a rebel. He was this. And we're trying to see, trying to cast Christ, our Lord, into a modern-day image, into a modern-day you know, personality that, that fits in with the culture. This is extremely dangerous. We're called to follow him as he is, the way he is, with no, with no a, a revision or with no adjustment. We need to live a life of discipleship. We need to sit at the feet of Christ like Mary did, Mary, the sister of Martha, when she sat at the feet of Christ. What does it mean to sit at the feet of somebody? Is to listen to them in humility and accept everything that they say and follow him wholeheartedly. Um, we have to make our life, live our life the way God wants us to live it. He said in John 8.31, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And this is actually freedom is one of, the, one of the themes, one of the other themes in the epistle of Galatians as well. So true freedom, true liberty, is not to go and do any, anything that I want or anything that I think. True liberty is to abide in the word of Christ and be my disciple, sit at his feet, learn from him, and then we shall be truly be set free. Obedience to God's word is the most important element in any service. He says, if you love me, keep my command. If you love me, keep my, my, keep my command. We see now many um, modern ideological trends tend to be so self-centered. You know, it is my opinion. Oh, this is my opinion. It's my choice. It's my opinion, my choice. This is my, my point of view. And, and we begin to, you know, to always to, to think that this, this is what I think, this is what I believe in, etc. Um, sometimes this is very dangerous because sometimes what I think, we all could be wrong. I mean, we're all human. We could be wrong. So I have to humble myself and say, before I say this is my opinion, this is my choice, this is my thing, this is my... What God wants me to do? What God wants me to believe? It's a question that we all have to ask ourselves. Um, we tell him, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. And we say, thy will be done, and we stop. No, actually, thy will be done is, is a part of a bigger sentence. Thy will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. So whatever we do on earth has to be according to what is being done or what is being said in heaven. This is how we, the correct understanding of thy will be, be done on earth as it is in heaven. The church of Ephesus in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, beginning of chapter 2, the first church that Christ had a message to, Christ told them, I know your works. I know what you have suffered, what you have been through, what you have done. He, he listed like nine good things that happened that was going on in the church of Ephesus. But there's one thing that's missing. You forsook and forgot your first love. Your first love. So somebody could be doing a lot of good things, but something at the core is missing. And that core thing could make all the good things that they're doing have very little values in the eyes of God. So make sure when you do all these things, when you support all these causes, how is God looking upon your, what, what you're doing? We need to empower our service by being solidly grounded in the scripture. The scripture as it is, not the scripture as being redefined. Oh, some people now begin to say, oh, no, no, no. The Bible did not mean that. You cannot take Romans chapter 1 that seriously. You cannot take this chapter that seriously. And you cannot take 1 Corinthians. And we begin to have this, again, revisionism. You know, like they're revising history. They want to revise the scripture. Everything is now being subject to revision. I'm sorry, not when it comes to our Bible. It's not subject to revision. This is the eternal word of God. It cannot be revised. It cannot be reinterpreted depending on the political and, and the social economic climate. This is the word of God that stood the test of all the ages. So we have to, to, to base our service on the scripture as it is, not as it is you know, um, uh, trying to be redefined. We have to be careful now there is a social gospel. There is actually a movement called social gospel that, that really the gospel now is to just to focus on social things. By the way, the Great Commission, the end of Matthew, just before our Lord Jesus Christ ascended to heaven, he did not say go and do social gospel. He did not say go and feed the homeless. He not, I mean, he said that in other places. But he said, what you commissioned, what are you entrusted with as disciples and their disciples is to go and preach evangelize, baptize, make disciples. This is the great commission that we are asked to do. If in doing so, I need to feed a homeless person, I need to visit uh, a widow or, or take care of an orphan or, or help somebody who is, who is facing injustice, let it be. Our problem in this day and age is when tools become goals in themselves. Once a tool becomes a goal, we have lost the way. Once a tool becomes a goal, we have lost the way. It's like, like, for example, money. Money is a tool that God has given us. Money is not bad inherently. But once a tool, but the money became a goal, the love of money becomes by the root of evil. And the same thing with all these social issues and social, you know, they are tools to preach the kingdom of God. But if you, if, or if, you, if anyone makes these tools a goal, then we have lost our way. We cannot make these tool, uh, goals in themselves uh, where they are tools for us to serve. Our clear mission, again, we talked about that, the Great Commission. So we have to really focus on, refocus, again, the, 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 the message of St. Paul, refocus, refocus our service into the two, serve, we're serving God first and foremost, and 
if by feeding a hungry person, I do it for the glory of God, I, I, then God will take note of that. He said, if you present somebody a cup of cold water in my name, I will not forget that. Whatever we do, we have to do in the name of God. And whatever, whatever God supports, we should support. Whatever God abhors, we should abhor as well. We're called to love everybody, but be careful of the issues and the ideas that are being projected and promoted. And don't just, you know, follow under one umbrella, let's all a, you know, no. Be, be very, very um, selective, very discerning what you do, what services you act, what causes you support. Number one. Number two, spirituality. We're called to serve God or offer our spirituality to God, not to other people. If you kind of uh, flash back or flash forward to the last Sunday before Lent, the Sunday before Lent, we are told Christ talks about when you do acts of charity, when you fast, and when you, when you pray, and when you fast in this order. Acts of charity, fa uh, prayer, and fasting. And he says, there's always two sides to this. There's a visible side that other people will make note of, but there is a hidden side that God will note uh, that will notice. And you have a choice here. You have a choice either to, to, to please others or to impress others by how much money I give, uh, all these donations I give, but how fervently I pray and I, you know, and, uh, or, or how, how long I fast, and all these things. And Christ gives specific examples how people, when they're fasting, they are so, you know, they, they look so disheveled, they look not so happy because I'm, I'm fasting, you know, I have to make notes, check me out, I'm fasting. And God said, no, all this is not acceptable. What the real acceptable worship, the real acceptable spirituality that's acceptable to him is what comes from the heart, what comes from the, as, as he said, the father who sees in the secret place. Sees in this, what's the secret place? What's your heart? What deep inside your heart he sees that when you are giving, you're giving, not to impress anybody, but really to, to give because you, out of outpouring of agape love, when you are praying, you're not praying, you know, you're praying from, from your heart. I love this in, in Kiyah, when we see my heart and my tongue praise the Trinity. Before your tongue praises, it has to come from the heart. That's why in the anaphora, Abuna says, lift up your hearts. He didn't say lift up your voices because yeah, we've been singing for quite a bit. I mean, he knows that we are, we are lifting our voices, but this is more important than lifting up your voice. Where is your heart? Some translation says, instead of lift up your hearts, where is your heart? Where is your heart? They say, oh, they are in, they're with the Lord. They're in heaven up there. Said, okay, thank God. Let's give thanks to the Lord that your heart is, a, is up there with the Lord. And the same thing when we fast and when we do all these things, any kind of spiritual things has two aspects. There's a visible aspect, which is, I mean, we cannot run away from. We still have, there is a visible aspect to, to our spirituality, our spiritual devotions, but there is a much important hidden aspect that God can see. So I hope we can all focus. If you want to please God, not please man, is to look at, a, at what God sees. Um, somebody said, are we serving the house of the Lord or the Lord of the house? Are we serving the house of the Lord or the Lord of the house? Understand the difference? The house of the Lord. Yes, this is the house of the Lord. But also, me being in the house of the Lord should be for a sole reason to be to so serve the Lord of the house. 
St. Mary kept all these things in her heart. She did not share. She did not post. She did not go all over the place. Even if she had an Instagram page, she would not be posting the stuff on her Instagram page. She, did not, she kept all these things in her heart. This is where, this is, the, this is the meeting ground between her and God. The ultimate meeting place between her and God in her heart. Um, the only time she spoke up, she spoke aloud, was she was praising God. Abuna was just talking about, about not just singing, but praising God. See, this is what she did in, in the in Magnificat, in the, in the, in the, in the praise when, she, when, Saint, when Saint Elizabeth greeted her. This is the only time she spoke like at length publicly. Uh, I don't want to take much time. I want to conclude by looking at our words, what we say, what we talk about, what we're proud of. Um, what's really occupying our, our mind and our, our talk and conversations. Um, I want to go to the, to, the, um, the, to the gospel, the gospel that um, we heard a few minutes ago. And the gospel that we heard was about this woman pouring the, the special oil on our, on, on our Lord Jesus Christ. And guess what? Everybody was just, oh, no, 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 no. How come? How come this, this, uh, this oil, this oil, if it were sold for, you know, uh, 200 denarii. Uh, denarii is, is one, one, uh, the wage of one day. So if you want to use $15 a day now, 15 times 8 is how much? How much 15 times 8? $120? Something like that, yeah? So, and multiply that by 200. You can, you can, you can do the math. Oh, this would be, this was something really special. And everybody began to criticize her, began to, you know, if that woman were to, to hear or to heed what the people are saying, she would never have done this. And she would have never uh, done this beautiful sacrifice in the eyes of God. Um, she really did the right thing in the eyes of God. She did not care about what the people said, what the people were, were talking about. And that's why St. Paul said in the epistle to Galatians, chapter 6, I think, verse 14, that I have nothing to be proud of except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have to really, and even he said the cross, remember, we, we love the cross now, we put it in our church and we decorate it, we hang it, but the cross back then, 20 years after the crucifixion, was still a source of shame, a source of shame. He said, I, I am proud of that. If the world sees the cross as a source of shame, if the world sees the cross as foolishness, I'm still proud of the cross. I'm still proud of the cross. Please refocus. What we are proud of does not necessarily have to uh, be popular with the world. We have to learn, again, it's difficult. We're swimming against the tide here. But this is very important. We have to learn how to not follow the trends. We have to learn how to be unpopular. We have to learn how to be unpopular. Nobody likes it. Everyone wants to fit in. I know it's just yum. Do, do, do you like salmon? Do you like salmon? Huh? Everybody eats salmon, sir. Huh? You know what the salmon does? The salmon goes upstream. I don't know if you Google it. Look how, what the salmon does. They jump. Every, every, all the fish go downstream, but the salmon goes upstream. 
it crosses over. We have to learn to be unpopular in the eyes of people, but acceptable in the eyes of God. This is my, the message of St. Paul, and this is what I want to share with you today. I hope you take this message to heart. I want to tell you about the message of St. Paul. رسالة غلطية طبعا مش هتكلم على الباكجراوند بتاعها ممكن تشوفوه لكن انا عايز اقرا لكم الآية دي اهي اما افاستعطف الان الناس ام الله ام اطلب ان ارضي الناس لو كنت بعد ارضي الناس لم اكن عبدا للمسيح لو انا فعلا كل هدف ان انا ارضي الناس وارضي اراء الناس انا عمري ما هكون عبد المسيح وكون ما اكون خادم للمسيح انا عندي اختيار من اثنين يا هرضي ربنا يا هرضي المجتمع يهردي ربنا يهردي المجتمع أي إن كان المجتمع اتكلمت في ثلاث نقاط إزاي أرضي ربنا في خدمتي في روحياتي في كلماتي في خدمتي في روحياتي في كلماتي طبعا في خدمات كتيرة في خدمات اجتماعية كتيرة لكن ساعات كتيرة بنجد كده ترند خاصة مع الشباب إنه ممكن أعمل خدمات اجتماعية وانسى الأسس اللاهوتية وفي وسط بقى الحركات الاجتماعيه وفي وسط الترندز او 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 الاراء المتجدده بنلاقي كده حاجات دخلت بتبقى عكس ايماننا وعلى تضاد مع ايماننا وساعات بنلاقي الناس بتنجرف ان عايزين نسبورت المجموعه دي او المجموعه دي لا خلي بالنا لو انا عايز رب ارضي ربنا فعلا يبقى هعمل اللي يرضي ربنا قبل ما اشوف الايه اي خدمه عليها لازم تكون على على اساس ايماني صحيح 100% مش اه ده يعني اه ماشي كده وخاصه في اليومين دول بقى في عصر الفيسبوك كل واحد بقى بقى يكون له اراء خاصه واصبحت بقى الثوابت بقى يعني عملت ايه اللي تكش كل شويه الثوابت دي عملت كش ان كل واحد بقى, بقى انا لي اراء ولي مجموعات هنا مجموعه هنا ومجموعه هنا بتهاجم ده وبتهاجم ده الى اخره مش هخش في الموضوع ده لازم نرضي ربنا قبل ما نرضي الناس في نفس الكلام في روحياتنا سواء كان صوم، سواء كان صلاة، سواء كان صدقة زي من زي ما سمعنا يوم في حد الرفاع دايما بحد على الصوم الكبير. ممكن ممكن تعملها بطريقة ملفتة للنظر، بس ممكن تعملها بطريقة أبوك الذي في الخفاء يجازيك علنية. ربنا عارف بالظبط أنت بتعمل إيه؟ أنت بتصلي ليه؟ بتصوم ليه؟ بتعمل صدقة ليه؟ فلازم أخلي أنا روحياتي كلها ترضي ربنا زي ما العذر كانت ايه يقول لك تخبئ كل هذه الامور في قلبها ده فعلا ده المكان اللي لقاء مع المفضل لها مع ربنا كان جوه ايه قلبها اخر حاجه في الكلمات برضو احنا بنتكلم على ايه احنا بنشجع ايه احنا بن فرحانين بايه او فخورين بايه معلمنا بولس الرسول برضو في غلطيه 6 بيقول ايه اما ان فحاشا لي نفتخر الا بصليب ربنا يسوع حتى لو كان الصليب دوت بيتكلم 20 سنه بعد 20 سنه بعد السيد المسيح بيامته ما زال الصليب كان كان هو رمز العقوبة أبشع عقوبة ما زال الصليب كان عار ما زال الصليب كان جهالة لكن هو أنا أنا تعلمت أكون فخور وفرحان بصليب المسيح إحنا برضو لازم نعمل كده حتى لو كان الرسالة دي أو صليب المسيح كان لسه كنت بقول لي يعني إيه لازم نتعلم نكون إحنا unpopular unpopular يعني إيه يعني لا نحظى بالشعبيه والقبول العام في المجتمع، لازم نتعلم الحكايه دي. كنيستنا اقوى فترات ليها كانت فتره لما كانت الكنيسه متحاصره. 
فتره الاستشهاد يا ريت احنا نتمسك تمسك ايه بما عندك ترضي ربنا وترضي الناس احنا هتكون ايه عبد المسيح ولا عبد حاجه ثانيه لو عمرك ما لو ترضي الناس عمرك ما هتثبت على حاجه الناس كل يوم هتعايزه حاجه مختلفه والمجتمع عايز حاجه ولا حاجه يوم حاجه مختلفه لكن ربنا اللي دهولنا ثابت ربنا يثبتنا جميعا في الايمان الارثوذكسي للنفس الاخير لالهنا كل مجد وكرامه الان ظهر دور كلها امين